I've got a feeling you can't not love the people you once loved. I think that's true. And why did you love them? You've got to say, you've got yeah. to, you can't suddenly say, I didn't really love them at all. Hello and welcome to The Third Act. I'm Catherine Fairweather and the voice you just heard was from the irrepressible Nicky Haslam. More of him in a minute. This is the series where we bring you sparkling conversations with vintage minds. In each episode, I'll be sitting down with my guest for lunch in the sumptuous Culford's restaurant at Orion's Chelsea to discover how they're redefining later living and very much embracing life's next act. And my guest today is a man, as The Independent once described, unafraid to wear a number of hats, literally and figuratively, even as he enters his ninth decade. He's an illustrious and influential interior designer whose sophisticated and sometimes theatrical style has been embraced by high-flying clients as diverse as Brian Ferry, Rupert Everett and Charles Saatchi. Now in his 80s, the indefatigable Boulevardier become memoirist, columnist, blogger, podcaster, book reviewer and cabaret singer has fortuitously found time away from his gadding and gallivanting to join me for lunch in the shady gardens at Orion's. It's great to catch up with an old friend and mull over subjects as wide-ranging as his childhood polio affliction, his recent move away from his home, his homosexuality and aesthetic surgery, and life passions from Sicily to processed food. look fantastically oh, yeah. well. So what, what is the secret to your looking so well? Facelift. <laughs> <laughs> and Sicily cream, Tweak, I read. Tweaks. I it's a very I good go, I was going to get a Pekingese, black Pekingese puppy because I, I love black Pekingese. And I found they were £5,000 and I thought, well, for that you could have a facelift. <laughs> so it was a tweak rather than a peak. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't fair. I just had a few fillers. But it, was a much, it wasn't even £1,000. But I think it's quite important to do those. Do you? Um, oh God, I'd better do it then. Keeping a clean neck is very important. Not having, yes. wrinkles, not having giles. Frightfully important. And More important than the face. Terrifying. It's not terrifying at all. Really? No, I, I rather love it all. I, li- I, I like watching everything. Oh, my God. You know, I had my eyes lasered the other day. I loved every minute of it. Oh, my. Cataracts. Do you love hospital programmes? No. Um, I hardly watch television. No. So how do you spend your time when you're not working? I think it's true that part of the secret of being on the ball is to do the Times crossword Yeah. every day of that yeah. word game. It sort of gives you a kind of agility, mental agility, which is important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and being someone like you, who somebody described as a boulevardier, uh, has to be plugged into the world, which you are. Exactly, right? yeah. Must have been very difficult in, in COVID. And, and you learn facts. I loved COVID. Well, I was doing my new house the country, so I just was there all the time anyway. And it meant I didn't have to sort of panic about being anywhere else. Um, but it seemed to have passed in a flash, COVID. So you enjoyed that time doing... Well, I you had a project, it. actually. Yeah. And you create projects for yourself if you don't have any. Oh, handicrafts. My God, never stop. Making, <laughs> making things, dyeing things, I don't know, stiffening things or whatever. Making collages. Yeah, exactly. And paintings. And, and writing, which yeah. is... But does the writing force you into a sort of retrospective mood, a nostalgic mood? I know you're not a, a person who really gives in to nostalgia much. You're a forward-looking person, but is it quite nice well, to go back I, I and reflect? I quite like nostalgia. Yeah. 
Aesthetically. I, I, love, I, love souvenir, I love souvenirs. <laughs> like ashtrays at restaurants. We thought souvenirs are so common. I look at a restaurant ashtray I've got and think, oh, that was that wonderful summer in Turkey. And you've always been an amazing traveller. I mean, from Sicily creams, which I know you're a fan of, to Sicily, because you're also a fan of Sicily. I love Sicily. I love, love Palermo. You said something fantastic about Palermo once. You wrote something. I must remember, because I'm writing about Palermo now. Oh, you've you seen said the... something like it was a, a honeycomb confection of a honeycomb of Baroque brav- bravura, I think. Did I? Yes. Oh. I thought that was rather clever. In fact, oh. I might pinch it for oh, my I article. I love Palermo. <coughs> Why do you love Palermo? I love it. I love its sort of strange history. I love. I love. I love all the fact that it's been through these great waves of invaders and things, and each of them have left their mark. And Palermo itself has such extraordinary. I mean, it's a bit ruined now. They've built up so much, but it has such extraordinary things to see in it. Those oratoria by um, Sir Potter, sculptor, are just. Uh, greatest works of art and the worst sculpture of the world, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I first learned about Palermo from my friend Fulke Verdura, the jeweller. And he, he turned me on. I've still got his handwritten guide to Palermo when I first went there. And um, It probably hasn't changed much. Well, the things are still... Everything's still there. Those bad catacombs of all the dead people. And it's, <laughs> it's such a wonderful mixture of cultures of Europe all coming into one place. And, and they... Definitely, I mean, death is almost a cult, isn't it? Aesthetic cult yeah. in, in Sicily. Yeah. Whereas I think we in in well, America and England have a slight sort of fear of um, even talking about it. You can't even say someone's dying. You no. have to say they're they're passing away. They're passed over. Oh, yeah. Don't. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. I wonder if it's a Catholic trait. It's very much of Latin or even Asian world that, that does that rather than Nordics who just put up a memorial and then forget about them. All those Italians have their nonna living in the house with them and everything, you know. It's it's so nice, that sort of integration of generations. Yeah, and that's, of course, the integration of generations, which is what you're so good at, You keeps you feeling young as well, I think. Well, trying to. (laughs) Your friends uh, span all generations, don't they? Yes. You've never been someone who's just stuck in in their groove. No, I, I really like the very old or the very young, I must be said. <laughs> you don't like the middle-aged. Yeah, the middle-aged are so boring. <laughs> I got so cross with men who'd always say things like, oh, the buses don't go the right way down Regent Street anymore, and you can't get this in Harrods. Get over it. I've <laughs> <Life's> changed. <laughs> I think you probably are one of the most life-affirming people I know. I think you... Oh, Catherine. <laughs> it's true. You, you are. You, you always make me feel better when I've been in your company but uh, have there been points in your life when someone has tried to put you back into the the box of your upbringing or the box of your age frankly they have um they not, not n- noticeably i mean people still try to box one for sort of being etonian or something like that which is so boring i mean or being a decorator they put i mean they never ever put sticky as a decorator and writer which i do much more of than decorating now People never broaden their perception of you. Decorator and socialite. <laughs> socialite is... Uh, the worst, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost... Uh, I mean, it's a word that's gone out of currency now. Mm. I mean, you, I'm amazed that people still call you a socialite. Oh, yes, you? always. 
But now you're a blogger and a podcaster. And hello, a podcaster. fellow podcaster. Yeah, hello. <laughs> yes. Well, I haven't done it like you yet, but I hope to. And so you, before you hit 80, you're now nearly 82, yeah? Yeah, next week. You sold your company, and you didn't sell your company, you just... Wound it up. Wound it up, yeah. 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 And Paolo... Mos- well, that was a long time ago. It's a very complicated story, but I was bought by another firm. Mm-hmm. And by a reason, by into finding out some other strange things about the, the new firm, I said, I'm out of here. And Paolo was already working for them too. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to buy B, because by name and everything. So he got the name and uh, and, they, and it's, an, it's annoying because people p- p- think I work for him and he works for me and everything. But on the other hand, he does wonderful work. I'm very proud of him. I discovered him, trained yeah. him, you know. Fell in love with him. the wrong word. But loved him. Inspired him. Loved him. Loved him deeply. And I'm sorry that went wrong. But we get on very well now and I like his, his current man. friend. Yeah, man. A husband, I think, to use husband. a horrible word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, yes, you just, again, you just have to, it happens, you know. Have you managed to stay friends with all the great loves in your life? Well, yes. I have one, one dead. Uh, well, Michael Wishes dead, two dead. Mm. Yes, I, 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 I haven't had that. I've been very faithful. I've, been, mm. I've always had people, sort of 10 year or 12 year relationships. Mm. I think one I'm of not, the, I've got a feeling you can't not love the people you once loved. I think that's true. I mean, why did you love them? You've got to, you've got yeah. to, you can't suddenly say, I didn't really love them at all because of the other. Unless they treated you so badly that. that... Yeah, I had one. I had, well, the last five years, I had a. a, 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 a it was wonderful. He was a fantastic person, and he suddenly turned and, 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 and sort of went sort of mad, read awful letters out of the blue. And I still can't really blame him. Perhaps I did something wrong to annoy him, or perhaps I don't. But one can't know that one's perfect. I can't pretend one's perfect in a relationship. And I, 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 I still. Love him, but I don't want him back. But I still love him. You know mm. that will that will that lingers on, doesn't it? <coughs> yeah, I think thank God. To... <coughs> yes, thank God. Thank God. Actually, yeah. I mean, the the England that you grew up in was, I mean, talking about relationships with men. I mean, I find it completely riveting when I'm reading your memoirs. You lived in an England where homosexuality was both illegal and much less interesting. You said. Because it was, I mean, it was much more sorry, fun, it's much, much, much more, more fun, fun rather. It it's illegal. less interesting now. I mean, it was illegal. But I think it's so strange. You read all those memoirs of, 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 of things about people, and the English have always really been homosexual. All the men. I don't mean they were at it, but I mean you, almost everybody, every good family, they had two children or three children. Mm. The wife went off and became lesbian. And the husband had a yeah. younger sort of protege. They. Loved and 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 looked after all those Lord Ishers of you. They all had these boys. They, everybody had a sort of boy they loved. That was part it's of quite the culture. Gre- it's quite it? Grecian, really, in a way. Do you think that was because the culture of England, amongst the sort of ruling classes, was to send their children away to school when they were seven, and therefore they were they were ripped from their mother's breast and and plonked in a single-sex school. Do you think that made men more probably, comfortable probably with men? It didn't happen to me because I didn't get a school until I was 10 because of polio. So I was quite, 
quite grown up when I went to school. And I love the way you also said that although homosexuality was illegal then, it was wonderful to have the sort of ritual of courtships, which just don't exist exactly. in this world where everyone Eyes falls across into the best. crowded room. And yeah. The, yeah, exactly. So the, and, and now the falling into bed is, is instantaneous, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's um, you know, at the end of a phone. Exactly. And also, as you also pointed out, the, the, the Me Too movement has, um, you can't flirt anymore. You can't flirt. And, and, and the Me Too movement is putting men off women, I think. I think it will be very hard to to feel comfortable yeah. if you, you're worried about being castigated for a smile or yeah. um, or a. I think the thing about England and homosexuality in the earlier part of this century, people have got it wrong. People always say Oscar Wilde opened the doors and then the patron saint of homosexual. But no, no, no. I think it's exactly the opposite. If you read that whole thing of the trial and everything, it wasn't the. Going to being with Lord Alfred Douglas, it was because he had rough trade. Yeah. That's what people hated. It was the class system. The class thing was the you, you didn't mind what you did as long as you did it with your own class. And that and that that made that sort of prudery come in that, that has lasted until fairly recently. So thank God, in a way, those barriers have come down. Mm. Do you think there are any other barriers, any social barriers left in? The United Kingdom now? Do you think there's an ageist barrier? It isn't pretty hard to say there are no plum rolls for older women. Why should there be? I'm sorry, like I can say, I mean, girls look wonderful when they're young. Yeah, I which mean, is why we're doing this podcast, I suppose, because I'm celebrating greatness after 65. <laughs> Life, that we're not being put out to pasture, are yeah, we? Yeah, but I think, we see, my, my, my thing about my age thing is that I had such old parents who had such old parents themselves. I mean, my father was born in 1887, and my grandfather was born in 1845. Goodness. Which is too extraordinary. And my yeah. mother was born in 1897. So your points of reference were Victorian. And, well, she was my mother's godmother was Queen Victoria. Your mother's godmother was Queen Victoria? Oh, yeah. God. And so if you... I say it's my mother's godmother. It seems like yesterday. If you say to somebody like Prince Charles, what... What's really at Queen Victoria? It's my great, 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 great grandmother. I mean, it seems mad, doesn't it? Mm. And for me, it's just one generation. So I sort of think backwards much more than other people, I think. So life has, I mean, the world has changed so exponentially since your childhood. Has, has life improved in, with all the advances that we've got technologically? Has it? I think it's improved it for many people. On the other hand, it's it's stopped reading, it stopped letters, it stopped flirtation, intimacy, flirtation, intimacy yeah. at every level. Our poor young, I feel I feel for my teenage son really. I wonder if he'll ever experience. But that. I think the young are actually the very young, like your son, yeah. are actually much more a polite these days than they, than they were twenty years ago, and more interested because older people. I've, I've noticed that quite a lot. They don't dismiss one out of hand anymore. Whereas 20 years ago, the young sort of just went, oh, God, I'm sure I did. Do you think that was because of the, the, the revolution of the, of the 60s and 70s where they found the, their voice, the their youth, youthful the youth voice? Quake, the youth quake. The youth quake. Yeah. 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 Yes, I, I think it is probably that. It was such all, a revelation then, to have your own sort of costume, your yeah. own music. Yeah. Because everything before was really for old people was generated by older people. Yeah.
So when did you bring out the, your record, your album? You've always been a, a cabaret artist, haven't you? Well, not always. It just happened out of the blue. I've always known all those songs. It goes back to polio. My mother had an American daughter before she married my father. She was married in America. And she used to go to America and bring up all those LPs of the you know, those great big waxy things of Ethel Merman singing, I don't know, Annie Getragun or all the... So as I had polio, they were, I'd play them all the time. And my mother would put them on and they'd all, my friends would dance in my bedroom to, the, to these tunes. So for most of my life, I th young life, I thought I was Ethel Merman, really. But so I knew all the songs, and I like doing it. It's fun, I, but I don't really. I can't sing very well. No, you uh, sing. But, um, it's the lyrics I love, and the songs are so beautiful. Those, those songs are so amazingly subtle. And, yeah. And I knew Cole Porter when I lived in America, and so. You knew thrilled. Cole Porter. Yeah. So I, the only person I ever wanted to meet was Cole Porter, and I met him. And did he live up to your expectations? Well, he was Cole Porter. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. He was getting old and he was in pain for the legs, but he was Cole Porter and I was in his house and he was, I was having dinner with him and I was drinking Gibsons with him and he was telling me about the past. It was just, to me, magic to have known him. Uh, and I didn't know him that long as he died, two years or something. But it, 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 it confirmed my love for all those songs, those subtle songs he wrote. And, those wonderful tunes. I mean, he's a genius, and so is several of the other ones. Rodgers and Hammerstein, one, they're all wonderful as America. Berlin, they're all amazing. I mean, how did these refugee Polish or Russian arrive in America and suddenly, like Berlin, suddenly become the subtlest American songwriter of all with a... With a the subtlety of the lyrics is just so brilliant. He sort of tapped into the zeitgeist, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, Princess well, Margaret was a great lover of singing a song, wasn't she, around the piano? Yeah, she did. She liked to, she liked to, that song from West Side Story. Who would you be in America? She used to sing, la 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 la. Um, she, she liked a rowdy song, really. <laughs> I can't quite believe all the people, all the characters who've traipsed in and out of your life. I have, I have had a lot. I've, I've been lucky. Yeah. I like it, I like it to be in New York at the right moment. The 60s in New York was paradise on earth. Hell now. Yeah, hell now. Los Angeles in the late 60s, early 70s was unbelievably well. Well, I actually first went in 63. To I Los Angeles. Every, every movie star in the world. I mean, it was just extraordinary. And then the ranch in Arizona was a different kind of life. Being a cowboy for five, six years was a different. And then coming back to England, there was a very good moment, the early 70s, mid-70s. When, when London was swinging. Well, yeah, well, it was wonderful. And then... So I'd just be lucky at hitting the right place at the right time. And, and, and Nicky, do you ever think about where you want to die? I mean, it's a bit of a... Gloomy thought. Well, I'm just with the right place. <laughs> Here we are in this beautiful <laughs> Orion's yes. restaurant, I'm which is the, the place. Yeah. I don't think it's the place to die. I think it's the place to live. Have you seen the well, swimming pool? No. Is it's, there one? Yeah, there's a fantastic swimming pool. I think I might. I bought my swimming costume. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can have a plunge Dip. after lunch. Um, I sometimes think, what if I die now? What will happen? Or who will look after it? Or have I tried it in my knicker drawer? all of those things. Um, but I don't think about it that much. You don't think about it that much? No. 
I think the blissful thing about a place like this is you don't have to think about any of the admin. And for me, admin is the bane of my life. I would yeah, like to go why, That's why rich somewhere. people always live in hotels, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I guess, what this is. You know, you don't have to worry about yeah. the, whether the gardener is chopping the topiary in the right way. Well, or... that's what I've got in the country, thank God. Yeah. Everything like that's looked after. It's just amazing. And and to go back to your um, to your music, I mean... If you, if we were producing a soundtrack to your life, what would that soundtrack be? Oh, gosh. And I'm throwing that at you. Um, or a poem. What would the poem be that you live by or the book that you live by? The book I'd live by really would be Sybil Bedford. She's a, on a visitor, one of my next a visitor, reading club. Visitor it's, it's one of the greatest books ever written. Is it? Okay, and the novels, the, the, the four novels. What's the first one called? And a, a Legacy. It's just one of them. Because that sort of is rather like my... She does what I do in my life. She looks back and to keep, the past is very alive to her. And she brings it all up into the 20th century, but without making it sound dim. Yeah. And I loved her, but she was a friend, and I loved her, and, I, and she was very helpful to me when I was writing redeeming features. She read an amazing book about Mexico. I really want to That's it, Don Otavio. That's the best. It's the best travel book ever written. Is it? Okay, that's the book that is on, that I'm going to suggest for my next book. full of fascinating information. Yeah. You worked in magazines in the glory days of magazines. Yeah. When you could, when you could. They were wonderful. Working on Vogue in New York was just amazing. Heaven. Absolutely heaven. Was that one of the, one of the highlights of your life, your creative life, do you think? Then, yes, I, 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 fun enough, um, I left Vogue because I was a ha- mad Huntington Hartford, offered me a job running his art director of his magazine. And I left because I, I was then the youngest art director in America, which is quite, I suppose. But anyway, later on I found that Alex Liebman, a note saying, it's a pity Nicky has them left. We had great plans for him. Now it could have been Anna Winter. <laughs> you could have been Anna Winter. You could still be there, <laughs> running the empire. Oh, God, that would have been amazing. Then you worked for Ritz, I know, with Bailey's oh, yeah. magazine. And, uh, and then you did columns for the A lot of those things in impatient, impatient panel interviews from Ritz. From Ritz. I don't know if you remember, our, our young audience here remembers Ritz. Do you remember Ritz? No, they don't remember Ritz. <laughs> We've now fun. got an audience. And I had that gossip column. Well, of course, called Paul Parsons. But even gossip columns are, are sort of almost uh, an anachronism now. I mean, we're not allowed to gossip either. No. It's hard. <laughs> My theory is that all gossip's tr- always true. Yeah, well, I mean, the gossip that you gave me in Claridge's all those many years ago turned out to be true. You were, pr- you were predicting always, the, always the, true. the there's, end there's of no Diana smoke. and Charles. There's no smoke without a fire at all. Okay, give Ever. us the gossip on, give us the lowdown on Meghan and uh, Harry. Do you have any? What will happen there? What's uh, your prediction? It's hard to tell. He's just, uh, he's so obviously besotted by her that he's being sort of pussy whipped into, into, yeah. into staying there. She's a, a fair monster, I think. I'm a friend of mine in Canada knew her when she was there doing the suits and said she was very badly behaved then. Why on earth they didn't call that baby Doria? Yeah. Prettiest name ever. They're going to call it Lilybed. <laughs> Ugliest well, name ever. I, I, 
I don't know. I mean, sweet for you're the Queen, but I mean, not, you can't... I suppose it. they were trying to be... It was a, a gesture to no, the well, Queen. No, I, I heard what... He rang her up and said... Because she was furious. Queen. He rang her up and said, we want to call our daughter after you, Granny. And she said, oh, how charming of you, thank you. Thinking it would be Elizabeth. So he got the permission, but then they said it, it didn't say the name. Yeah, that would have grated, I, I mm. guess, wouldn't it? So, so yes, you've told me the, the book you live by. Um, what would you advise your 21-year-old self, knowing what you know about life and with all the experience you've got now? Any advice uh, you'd give your 21-year-old self? Listen more. Uh, take it, don't, don't be dismissive. Cultivate balls. I mean, well, not balls quite, but cultivate everybody because there's always something you learn. Yeah. Well, you, you, but you also once said that actually the sign of a really good guest, to be a good, really good guest is not to gush too much, but also to be nice to the bores because exactly for yeah. that reason, yeah. sometimes everyone's got something yeah. to contribute in some yeah. way, haven't they? Um, so I think that's, that's right. Um, um, learn to cook too, that's quite fun. Yeah, have you learned to cook yet? Well, I'm a very good cook, but I, I, I actually have to only like frame and toss and make beans, but it's much easier. I like everything out of a can. Processed food is my idea of heaven. <coughs> much safer, much safer. If you go to restaurants, you immediately come back with squitters because they've all that <laughs> ghastly chili and stuff. I hope you're not going to, after t lunch today, come <laughs> go back with that. That would be disastrous. Okay, yeah, so processed food's a, a great step forward. Um, so I always think Diana Cooper's recipe for a good dinner party is the best there is. What, what is her Too recipe? much to drink and a chocolate pudding. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? So is there anything left on your bucket list or is... Um, Paul Theroux, I think, called it a fuck-it list. <laughs> a lot on that. <laughs> Is there anything on your bucket list? Places to go, people to meet? No, it's, uh, uh, the bucket's sort of got a hold in it by the way, I think. I think I quite like not going anywhere. Um, except I have friends who have wonderful boats and take one on. That, that's, I don't want to do difficult things anymore. I don't... I don't really. I was turned down a job in New Orleans for some people I've done four houses for there. I sort of couldn't face the fact of going to, flying to New Orleans all the time. And I certainly don't want to do anything in, in, in Europe or Israel or things, not things I went, places I went for, before. I do friends. I've just done Flora Fraser here, which is ravishing. So you're, you've got plans and projects and. Well, no plans and no projects in the sense of. Great big things you have, great sort of things that hang over one. I, when I turned out, I said, I'll never be in a hurry again. Wonderful. It's a great thing to have that. Um, you can just do things when it appeals to you. The country, I get up and I think, well, I'll put on that for today and then I'll do this and then I'll have a cup of coffee and then I'll do some more writing and then I'll not finish writing, I'll go and paint some furniture or, you know. I just, it's very nice having that sort of flow of yeah. ease of creation in a way. Well, Nick, it's been a real pleasure. Huge fun. Let's do it again soon. Let's do it again What else soon. can we say? <laughs> If you've enjoyed today's show, 
You can hear more episodes in this series by clicking follow wherever you're listening to this or simply searching The Third Act on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. And if you think your friends would love to listen, please do tell them about us. This episode was produced by Pete Norton and made possible by Orion's, luxurious residences that are redefining later living in the heart of Chelsea. I'm Catherine Fairweather, and I can't wait to join you next week for The Third Act. <laughs>